Hey everyone, this is Jason, and welcome to the Bold Moves Only podcast. For today's episode, I spoke with Rashan Abbas, the founder and executive director of the Campaign for Uyghurs. She has dedicated her life to spreading awareness of the atrocities that are happening to the ethnic minority Uyghur population in China. China has occupied East Turkestan, also known as the Yinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region of China, since 1949. The Uyghurs have been systematically oppressed by the Chinese government, but what we are witnessing now is a genocide. Many have stayed silent, but we must educate ourselves and speak out. Let's get into it. Hi, Rashawn. Thank you for joining the Bold Moves Only podcast. Thank you for shedding a light on this uh, atrocity of the century and the China's crimes against humanity. I appreciate it. So I'd like to start off by having you explain a bit what has been going on with the Uyghur population in China. Yeah, um, the Uyghurs are currently facing active genocide in a uh, massive and entirely brutal campaign to wipe out um, the entire Uyghur culture, identity, and the population. Um, As we speak, millions of Uyghurs are languishing in the concentration camps or in the uh, forced labor uh, schemes that amounts to basically modern day slavery and the prison cells, of course, um, because China completely outlawed the religion. Any kind of normal practice of Islam is being treated as uh, extremists, like uh, radicalized Islamic activities and the, or illegal Islamic activities. When they say illegal Islamic activities, as simple as reading Quran, praying, fasting during Ramadan, refusing to drink alcohol, or going to mosque. Any of these can cause people to sent to the concentration camps and facing very harsh sentencing. Even Uyghurs traveling to Turkey, to Abu Dhabi, or to Saudi Arabia, any of the Muslim-majority countries in the Middle East, they also... Uh, sent to concentration camps. So outside of the camps, Uyghurs are forbidden from um, practicing religion because as I mentioned, if they do, then they will go to the jail or they are sentenced harshly into the uh, prison uh, terms. So the Uyghurs are being um, uh, placed in a forced marriages because if Uyghur girl refused to marry Han Chinese, she's being viewed as Islamic extremist, didn't want to marry non-Muslim Han Chinese. So if the girl cannot choose who she wants to marry, or if she has a boyfriend, or she's not even ready to get married, but she has to because she doesn't want to go to concentration camps, what do you call that? That's a rape. So basically, 
the entire Uyghur population are living in an uh, Orwellian surveillance state where something as small as talking to someone in overseas can land the Uyghurs into those concentration camps. So basically uh, that is uh, you know, what is happening to Uyghurs today. I've also seen that there have been government documents released showing the extreme sterilization goals of regions that are majority Uyghur. Um, can you speak a bit further about this? Yes, uh, according to Chinese government's own documents, um, there are some Western scholars who, uh, who can read Chinese, uh, who learn Chinese, they analyze Chinese data. And it, there's a very clear indication of the Uyghur women are facing uh, forced sterilization uh, and the uh, forced abortions, therefore Uyghur population is dropping very uh, dramatically. And what about the power structure in China, like how everything runs through the central government and like how are they able to get away with this? What mechanisms allow for this to happen? After Xi Jinping came to power, he basically centralized all power even before that, you know, Communist Party is where all the decisions are being made. The reason that they are getting away with crimes against humanity and the genocide against the Uyghurs is two. One, information blocking. It's extremely difficult to get information out when people are monitored 24-7. All the phone calls, internet, any kind of communications are monitored and anybody who communicate with outside the world or talking to reporters, they end up in the jail or in the concentration camps. So people are afraid of speaking. Two, the Chinese government is using their basically debt trap diplomacy tactics and the power of the Belt and Road Initiative and the manipulation in the United Nations as the second largest donor and the trade threats. They are silencing the international community. So basically, many politicians and the world leaders are uh, looking away. They are not uh, doing anything. They are not taking tangible actions to stop this. So basically, Chinese government, while they are conducting genocide, they are undermining the rule of law, and they are setting the next world order to control the entire world population to control and to manipulate the uh, international organizations because they are basically using the blood money they are making from the Uyghurs' forced labor, the Uyghurs' tears and the sweats. They are buying the compliance of the uh, international uh, organizations and they're buying the compliances of the uh, Hollywood even and the mainstream media. Um, as you mentioned, when you talk to the people close to you, they have not even heard of this. This is 21st century information era. This is supposed to be the media liberty. It's supposed to be social media everywhere. Why people are unaware of China's crimes against humanity, this genocide that's happening 
since 2014 and it came to the surface since 2017 and has been reported actively and we have been speaking out since 2018. It has been almost three years now. Where are they, the uh, leading voices? Where are the human rights activists and the, the uh, celebrities in Hollywood supposed to be very vocal when there's any kind of social injustice? Why are they quiet? Because of money, because of benefit they are receiving from China. Look at Richard Gere. He was very famous once, but because he stood up and speak against China's human rights abuses when he was defending the Tibetan people, his career basically ended in Hollywood. The Chinese government controls the people in NBA. They are controlling the YouTube media. I just recently gave a, a, a report um, to Riley um, and it, she tweeted, actually, I retweeted a few days ago. She said, for some reason, this particular interview with Roshana Abbas is very much underperforming. Uh, and she asked the youth of why. Why is that? Is it because I spoke against China? So not only the Chinese government is actively conducting genocide front of the entire world community, but being supported by all this so-called the leading platforms and the uh, some of the uh, the leaders of the world. Yeah, you talk about like buying the silence. What was your reaction to the European Union signing the most recent investment deal with China, despite having a lot of opposition to it? Like even the trade minister of France said. We can't facilitate investment in China if we don't work to abolish forced labor. And that was just a week before they signed it. It's actually um, extremely disappointing. It is an absolute disgrace to see that the uh, EU would choose to repeat the worst mistakes of the history in supporting this type of ultra-nationalist genocidal regime they have not learned from the history. They are essentially giving their stamp of approval for China to continue unchecked with its crimes against humanity. They are rewarding China for genocide. Germany should be ashamed of themselves because we all know what happened during the World War II. This was one opportunity for Germany to take tangible action to stop China. Instead, they are rewarding China. Um, when you, you know, look at the history, never again you know, after the World War II, after the Holocaust, but never again is happening all over again in China right now. Uh, where is Germany? Where is Europe? They are basically uh, selling out the human dignity, the conscience, of the world to China's blood money. And kind of going further into it, you mentioned the Belt and Road Initiative earlier. So East Turkestan lies in the very heart of Asia. It's situated along the fabled ancient Silk Road, and it's been a prominent center of commerce for more than 2,000 years. You know, it's home to essential elements to this 
Belt and Road Initiative. How important is this in understanding China's actions towards the Uyghurs? Well, current genocide is caused by Belt and Road Initiative, actually. That is the main reason uh, what's happening today. Uh, Xi Jinping announced the Belt and Road Initiative in uh, 2013. And starting from 2014, the first concentration camp was built in Loknur, just right after the announcement of the Belt and Road Initiative. The reason for that is because Xi Jinping is... Uh, signature plan for the world domination, his uh, uh, tool for the uh, colonization of the world, basically. This plan, this project, the tool to bring about the colonization of the world by this imperialistic power, Chinese Communist Party, put our homeland in the epicenter of this plan. East Turkestan is a gateway to Central Asia to Europe, to Middle East, to Africa. So it's the key geopolitical location for Belt and Road Initiative. And those countries who are targeted by the Belt and Road Initiative are being slowly turned into colonized of the uh, China. They are basically giving out their sovereignty to China. We need only look at Pakistan to see this uh, in action, you know, what happened in Pakistan. Pakistan already became like a province of China. And they look at a lot of countries in North Africa. Uh, the Chinese uh, military has established its own military zone and the further human rights abuses have followed with, uh, in Pakistan, you know, um, it, you know, human rights abuses are uh, being followed with that, with Pakistani women being trafficked into China. And that's not the, you know, something that people are unaware of. If you just Google that, the Chinese uh, uh, people, you know, Chinese gangs and the, the people are be bringing Pakistanis, Pakistani women to sell in China. And the Pakistan is run by uh, Chinese military right now. So that is basically, um, and it's not just going to stay in uh, in Pakistan or in uh, Central Asia or in uh, East Turkestan. Mm -hmm. So also, I, I've heard countless stories of Uyghurs with family members that have been arrested or detained in these camps. And I understand that this is something that's extremely difficult to talk about. But could you discuss a bit how your family has been affected by all this? Yes, actually, um, my uh, husband's entire family disappeared since April 2017. Um, so I was very vocal about my husband's family uh, were taken to the camps and the, the entire uh, Uyghur people in diaspora uh, losing their family members to the camps or to the uh, prisons. So I was very vocal about it. Um, I took some actions. Um, I initiated the one voice, one step protest around the globe. And also uh, I spoke at one of the think tanks in Washington, DC. In September, September 5th in 2018, six days after my sister was taken as a retaliation for my activism. As I mentioned, every Uyghur has at least 
one family member missing in the camps. And I am a US citizen and I am a uh, human rights activist, but now I have to deal with my own sister being taken and punished and sentenced in retaliation for my speaking out. Um, just recently, actually, uh, on the Christmas day, we learned by uh, an inf uh, informed source uh, that my sister, retired medical doctor, Gulshan Abbas, was sentenced by the Chinese regime in March 2019. Imagine that. I have been so vocal for past 27, 28 year, months, actually, um, since as, as, uh, you know, my sister's disappearance in September uh, 2018, I have been asking, where is my sister? But we did not get any information until Christmas day. And then we learned the Chinese regime sentenced her 20 years in the March of 2019. And this is happening in today's world, in the information era, in the 21st century. And she was sentenced in 20 years prison on the terrorism-related charges. Imagine that. She's a medical professional, a non-political kind of person who has spent her entire life helping people. And, and as, as I said, you know, we went over two years with no information, and the, these charges against her are extremely, you know, they are just they are preposterous. There's no evidence. There's no any kind of media coverage. There's not even trial. We don't know anything. And we don't even know where she's being held and how's her health conditions right now. That's awful. I'm sorry. Um, I, I did see that the United States Congressional Executive Commission on China has actually called for your sister to be released from jail. I'm wondering generally speaking, how the United States government has been doing in handling all this? Um, we appreciate the uh, U.S. lawmakers being vocal about my sister's detention and the uh, calling for her release. And the U.S. has been a uh, leader in the international community in addressing these uh, uh, atrocities, China's crimes against humanity. And we are seeing building action from the other nations as well as Canadian Parliament called what's happening to the Uyghurs today is genocide. And we are also uh, hoping that United States will keep this going, the pressure and the being vocal and to take tangible action and will continue to seek to hold China accountable and the, to end U.S. complicity in this crimes against humanity because there are so many U.S. companies are using Uyghurs uh, slave labor as the uh, supply chain factories, you know, for the supply chains in China. So uh, we like to see more and we appreciate U.S. being vocal. And what are your hopes for the incoming Biden administration? We were very pleased to see uh, the Biden administration refer to what's happening as genocide, actually. President-elect Biden is the person, the first, actually, uh, U.S. politician to call this as genocide uh, on the campaign trail. So uh, we really, we are hopeful. 
and we believe uh, firmly uh, that they will follow through uh, with a firm and meaningful and a tangible action and will continue to push even harder to bring justice to this. And you mentioned companies that have used forced labor in their supply chain. So East Turkestan produces vast amounts of raw materials like cotton, coal, sugar, tomatoes, and polysilicon. And as you said, supplies workers for China's apparel in factories and industries. And so some of the companies that have been suspected to have ties to forced labor in East Turkestan include Nike, Calvin Klein, Zara, Coca-Cola, and many more. So how do we hold these companies more accountable and what role do consumers have in all of this? Yeah, you brought up actually extremely important point and the, uh, it is important for um, you know any kind of um, the action to stop the complicity of the companies. Um, uh, we need uh, harsher sanctions. And we need legislation like the, uh, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act in the U.S. to, uh, you know, to be uh, pursued in other freedom-loving countries and the nations, the like-minded nations as well. Um, some of these companies you just mentioned, like uh, Apple, Coca-Cola, and the others are actively spending money to lobby against the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. That's really disappointing to see that those companies are only seeing the money and the benefit and short-term economics over the conscience of the world. Right now, we know what's happening to Uyghur people uh, is not just the, uh, the Uyghur issue. It is actually a test for the conscience of the humanity. And we are failing it. Those companies are failing it. So continue to do business as usual with China, is complicit with China's genocide. Um, while many think um, it uh, isn't pragmatic to address dependence on China, the reality is that we must, China is seeking to set the new world order with their uh, regime at the helm, with this, you know, evident evil the Chinese communist uh, dictatorship government is undermining the rule of law. They are basically uh, expanding what they are doing to the Uyghurs, to other countries as well. So if this doesn't stop right here, imagine, look at the Uyghurs today and imagine what kind of world that we are leaving behind us for our children and for our next children because that's how it's going to be if we don't stop China right now. Defending the Uyghurs right now, speaking out and raising awareness, like doing what you are doing is defending the humanity. It should count as standing up for the Uyghurs is standing up for the democracy and the freedom of this world that we all worked so hard in the past. Definitely. So the Chinese embassy in the U.S. just tweeted an article saying a study shows that in the process of eradicating extremism, the minds of Uyghur women in Yingjiang 
were emancipated and gender equality and reproductive health were promoted, making them no longer baby-making machines. They are more confident and independent. So I was wondering if you could speak to the power of disinformation. That tweet by the uh, Chinese embassy in the U.S. was a shameless act by the Chinese regime trying to defend their genocide by spreading disinformation. The Uyghur women are facing sterilizations, forced sterilizations, forced abortions. The Uyghur babies are being killed. And yet, trying to defend that, using the democracy and the, uh, the freedom platforms we have here in the United States, while Twitter is not allowed for the normal Chinese citizens. Twitter is banned in China. The Chinese citizens cannot use the Twitter, Facebook, and all these social media platforms. Yet, the Chinese officials, Chinese government-affiliated entities, using that, spreading their disinformation and the false narratives to brainwash the American public, the world community. China relies on this information while much of it's targeted at the outside of the world. We must also remember that much of it is um, about maintaining an image with the Chinese people. The more than anything, the regime fears losing control with them. As um, the Chinese people increasingly have access to outside media, the regime must also amp up its efforts to control the narrative overseas. So um, of course, you know, now it's also increasingly about silencing those who speak out against their barbaric actions by trying to discredit them. And the China's disinformation, as you mentioned, you know, they are, they are using YouTube, they are using all the uh, social media platforms to attacking us, attacking and discrediting us. As I mentioned, my sister is sentenced in March 2019. While I have been so vocal, carrying her picture everywhere, Chinese uh, global TV network, they released immediate, uh, they, they uh, did a report and they tweeted and they spread it all over, calling me a liar, naming my name and calling me a liar, saying that I stole other people's pictures and claiming that they are my missing uh, relatives. And that was December, 2019. Nine months after they sentenced my sister 20 years in prison, they had the guts to come up and they had the guts to come out on the social media and the, uh, and the, and the uh, you know, general uh, news media spreading their disinformation, calling me spelling out my name, calling me a liar. So this is how they are using the uh, disinformation. And they uh, play on what they have learned about Western countries, such as some small areas of dissatisfaction that uh, uh, they might have. And then they try to play up their own image by presenting China as the, the opposite of what uh, many people uh, recent about the Western countries. In reality, the uh, CCP represents the worst of all worlds combined and it regards to human rights. 
So you've been speaking to this a bit, but what are the risks of speaking out on issues like this in China? And but what ultimately pushed you to become so outspoken? What are the risks? Well, it cost freedom of my sister. Basically, she lost 28 months of her life in the, some horrible dungeon somewhere. And I don't know how many years more. She was sentenced for 20 years and she's 58 years old. But I had to, I had to speak and I have to continue keep doing what I'm doing. People must understand that silence cannot protect us. And the blood money only goes so far before the system that played on people's lusts for money collapses on them. So it's worth it to stand on the right side of the history, to stand on the side of humanity and the our common values. That's what I want to tell the people in the European Union. They need to be on the right side of the history and they need to pick the side of the humanity this time because they have a huge stain on them from the World War II, from the Holocaust. And what are the, what's the best way for people that are listening to this to support what you and the Campaign for Uyghurs have been doing? Um, the best way to help Uyghurs right now is to demand that our leaders, the world leaders, hold China accountable, be active, be active on social media, be vocal, and help Uyghurs to uh, raise awareness. We must raise our voices together to educate, to inform, to call for action and to address our own complicity. So we need to speak out. Um, there are not that many Uyghurs in outside of the world because the Uyghurs lived in such an oppressed, you know, such an oppressed uh, situation since the uh, communist China took over our homeland in 1949. So there are not that many Uyghurs. We are probably the smallest minority in the United uh, States. There are probably less than 10,000 Uyghurs in the whole United States. So we really need help from people like yourself and the people around you, people who listen uh, to what I'm saying today. Share our social media postings, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and just the, um, share, share information, raise awareness. I cannot emphasize enough because still 90% of the Americans don't know what's happening. And that is what China is counting on to continue this because they, uh, they, they are counting on people are unaware of what's happening. So help us with that. And lastly, what would you say to someone who wants to make an impact but has no idea where to start? Um, read all that you can educate yourself, and please contact us if you have any questions. And if you want to get involved, you know, every person has a unique ability to create change and every person's support in ending these horrors is vital. We would love to help you on your um, own journey to activism and work with us 
Campaign for Uyghurs, we are working in a, a unique space with a specific focus on empowering the youth and the, uh, the women for activism so that we can advocate for human rights and the democratic freedoms for Uyghurs and the other uh, people who are being brutally oppressed by the Chinese regime. So join us. Uh, you can get more information on the campaignforuyghurs.org and that there is a special tab that created recently by us uh, says resources and there are information there for you to educate yourself and the uh, use as a tools to raise awareness great well thank you so much for spending the time to be on the bold moves only podcast thank you so much for giving me the opportunity Right after I recorded this interview, the UK and Canada introduced new measures to root out the presence of alleged forced labor in the Yangjiang region. And then the following day in the United States, the Department of Homeland Security said it would be blocking imports of all cotton and tomato products from the Yangjiang region. So some things are happening. I encourage everyone to stay updated with everything that is going on and following the campaign for Uyghurs is a good way to do so. Thank you for listening and let's be bold.